are coming up man we're getting in full swing welcome to more bass edge radio presented by megaware keel guard you've heard us say it so many times before if you don't have your keel guard your skeg guard your scuff buster be sure to log on to megaware keel guards website at keelguard.com and get that early christmas stocking stuffer you bet guys it is that time of year turkey season coming up we're all going to be eating happy sleeping fat but while we're hanging out listening to some bass edge radio you know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour providing the most dependable most trusted keel protection for your boat guaranteed for life so give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard Keel Protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Kurt, after this recording, we only have two more episodes left in 2015. We have rattled through these this year. Hard to believe. Yeah, it really is. Lots of busy times coming up, too. Cold weather, though. A lot of parts of the country are going to be dialing into Bass Edge to cure cabin fever. But down here in Texas, we're right in the meat of fall fishing, quite frankly. So um, still a lot of great fishing going on down here. If you can stay out of the brush and stay out of the uh, woods, I guess also you might say in other parts of South Texas, we are uh, catching some bass for sure. Water temps are perfect for fall angling. Yeah, they are. And I'm actually in the midst of preparing for one myself, as that will take place November 30th through December 5th. So certainly looking forward to that. But hey, before we dive off into the interviews and all the good stuff, you know, I want to take a second to kind of recap because we did receive quite a bit of listener feedback. And I know you saw a lot of that and you and I had a little bit of discussion. But pertaining to last episode, episode number 219 on November 1st with James Watson. Yeah, you know, James brought up some interesting stuff and he talked a little bit about professional angling, quite frankly, in the business side of the sport and some of the great things that we get to be a part of. He talked about iCast and talked about the Bassmasters Classic and the Forcewood Cup and all the promotional things that we get to accompany as part of our jobs. But at the same time, he talked about a few frustrations. And I just want to throw out there that we're all as professional anglers working really hard to make this thing work. And it is a tough job. Aaron, you you know this. Uh, Obviously, James knows it. I just want to make sure that 
that everybody knows that we all have the passion and the uh, drive to really make this work and be a part of this industry as we all are. From some of that feedback, a little bit of negativity, you know, lots of positive feedback as well from anglers understanding where James was coming from. So um, I just really wanted to address that and say it's really the passion and the drive that we have for this sport, the love and what comes out is really just, you know, sometimes some emotional thoughts and really some frustrations or hurdles that we're trying to overcome to really be positive aspects in the bass fishing industry. Yeah. And I, you know, I liken it to major league baseball players or any professional athlete, right? At one point in time, you were little kids that were aspiring to be the next bass pros, just like maybe a Corey league or a little league baseball player wanting to make it to the big leagues into the big show. Those guys at that level, a pitcher, a closer will still show a lot of emotion, right? If they make a mistake or something's not going the way that they had intended or the way that they think it should. And that simply comes from the love of the sport and the passion about it. And let's be honest, we are all human and we're just willing to talk about what everybody else is thinking. And I think that's one of the things that you and I committed to with the Bass Edge radio program is that we're not going to always necessarily sugarcoat it, right? We've got to talk about the real issues, whether that's conservation, whether that's the professional side, or whether that's the educational side when it comes to bass fishing. Aaron, I couldn't agree more. And I think we just drop that subject and pick it up probably another time because I think there's a lot of things that go on in the industry as uh, professional anglers that really, you know, a recreational guy, he could care two cents about. And uh, at Bass Edge, we're being a part of media for everybody out there, whether it's the recreational angler, the kayak angler, or the aspiring pro, or even many of the Elite Series and FLW Tour anglers listen to the show. That's right. We've got to be a voice for everybody. And uh... Uh, Speaking of picking up and moving on to the next thing, we have another pro tip brought to you by protecttheharvest.com. It happens now. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. This week's Edge Pro Tip segment is brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. Fishing Grass with Scott Martin. When you approach a location with vast amounts of vegetation, how do you manage your fishing time? It's real simple. You want to throw moving baits. You want to learn as much as you can. If it's a little bit of submergent vegetation, by throwing swim baits or swim jigs. If it's emergent vegetation, you're going to want to throw things like frogs and buzz baits. Try to find an area that's got some fish and really pay attention to what's going on around you, i.e. bait fish in the area, bluegill, or any wind or any type of cover change in that area. There you have it and there you are. This week's Edge Pro Tip is presented by ProtectTheHarvest.com. Thanks, Scott. Two fishermen came together with one agenda. To construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish. With our boat's exhilarating handling and smooth ride, extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat, we're building a legend. 
Legend Boats. I'll tell you what, Bass Edge Nation, if I was a fantasy fishing competitor, you might say, this would be my ultimate sleeper on the BASS Elite Series. You can never count him out at any tournament. He's always a threat to win anywhere a bass swims. Really happy to have him as a guest in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight from Wetumpka, Alabama. Welcome, Greg Vinson. Thanks for joining us on Bass Edge Radio, Greg. Oh, man. Thanks for having me on, Kurt. Greg, welcome to the show. You know, you had a fantastic year fishing the Elite Series with a another top 20 angler of the year performance you must be really excited to get another shot at that Bassmasters classic oh i really am i was a little disappointed you know the last classic i qualified for was at gunnerville in 2014 and i put a lot of time in there i lived fairly close i bought a camper and pulled it up there and spent weeks up there practicing and then everything that i expected to happen changed so i feel like i sort of owe them one on the classic unfortunately i had a really tough year you know last season and uh you know it made this good season this year so much sweeter to come back and have a really strong performance to get right back in the classic. So you think you're going to park a camper at Grand or you got a different approach? I think I'm going to take a different approach Kurt. You know, Grand's a different type of lake too, you know, and I learned a lot from Gunnerville. I learned a lot from previous classics and, and I actually like that pre-spawn time of the year coming out of the winter and anything pre-spawn and early spawn seems to be a, a strength for me because it's one of those deals where you have to adjust constantly even during the course of the day and, uh, you know, and typically I do really well at making good decisions and I think that's why I'm excited to get back through the classic at that time of year because I really expected to do well at Gunnersville and felt like that was going to be one of my really strong times and I just missed them there so I'm really excited to get back up there to Oklahoma right. in uh, early March this year. Yeah the movement I think to early March is really going to play in your hands and uh, like you said they're going to be more probably pre-spawn than they will be winter mode like they have been the last several classics but uh, let's jump back a little bit Bassmaster Classic 2012 you know the way I see it, really, you're coming out party. You finished second place over there on the Red River, neither winning the biggest show in bass fishing. You know, consistency on tour was really becoming the normal occurrence for you through that point. After 2012, you kind of had a little slide in the season that year. 2013, you back it up with another solid year. Then 2014, undoubtedly, probably one of your toughest years on tour. Sometimes it's not really popular to discuss some of our hardships that we have, but maybe a great educational opportunity for Bass Edge Nation. What was it that made 2014 such a difficult year and then you able to really turn it back on again in 2015? You know, Kurt, I've had a lot of time to think about that and I thought about it a lot during the course of the season last year and, and after the season. And I don't know, you know, one of my theories was that I was so close to winning at the Classic and, uh, you know, I had worked so hard to get to that point and, and it would have meant so much to win that event. And I've definitely really benefited. It was definitely a positive for me from a career standpoint standpoint sure. and a confidence standpoint but I, I wanted to win you know and, and I think after getting a taste of that and knowing you know just how close I was and that I did everything I really needed to do and it just didn't fall my way you know really made me hungry to try to win and I think there's a difference in fishing to win a lot of times and fishing to survive out there on tour and up until that point I had fished to survive you know I didn't have a ton of sponsor support I had some really great sponsors that I couldn't have done it without right but I really still needed to cash check but getting that little taste of what it was like to have the opportunity 
to potentially be on that stage holding that trophy, you know, it really made me hungry. And I think uh, not having won a tournament, you know, is still something that I'm working on putting that perfect formula together on. And But last season was one of those things I think I bailed. I think I lost confidence in myself and I tried to adjust rather than being confident in my instincts. And then, you know, turning things around this season, I quit worrying about what other people were doing and just really focused on trusting my instincts and fishing with confidence and fishing the moment, you know, making the best out of the time and the area that I was fishing. And uh, I found myself a lot of times this season not being around the crowd, you know, and sort of doing my own thing. And sometimes okay. that's a little scary on the Elite Series, as you know. Yeah, right, right. You bet. You know, Greg, I was reading an article that you just recently uh, wrote for Bassmasters.com last month when you talked about the fall feeding frenzy. But you, you point sure. out that the, the frenzy can be misleading. What is it about the fall that makes fishing really kind of a feast or famine proposition? Because I know, you know, any angler that's fished during the fall has experienced that. One day it can be lights out or one moment it can be lights out and then you might go down a stretch of bank and, you know, not even get a sniff. I think the biggest factor at that time of year is the fish are on the move. Up until the turnover, we're all familiar with the term turnover and that's just basically when the natural stratification of the water column starts to break down. So instead of the water being in layers and these fish sort of being in these layers they've been comfortable with throughout the summer and early, early fall, uh, once the water turns over, those colder water layers start to sink and it mixes everything and the bait fish and the predatory fish have the ability to roam anywhere they want in the water column and um, you see that a lot one minute they'll be in two feet the next minute they're in 25 and that's what makes them difficult to keep up with that being said the fish are really feeding heavily they're getting ready for the winter they're trying to put on a lot of weight because their metabolism goes slow down when the water gets cold so the fish are active but they're really hard to predict because they are moving around and they're not limited to certain portions of the water column anymore well let me ask you this greg you know once these water temperatures start to really settle in to being colder you know like into the 50s versus the 60s like we typically see in October and early November is the bite going to get a little bit better why do you think that it goes one way or the other when that water temperature continues to decrease into the 50s uh, it's hard to say I'm not sure if their activity level slows down or they just get adjusted a little bit better after that initial turnover and things sort of get shook up but uh, they, they seem to settle down a little bit seems like once the water temperature falls below about 65 you can start looking for warmer water areas, those areas that catch a little more sunlight. You can use the wind to your advantage, things like that. So you can start using uh, the weather variables and start paying more attention to water temperature again. The fish seem to do one of two things on lakes around the house. A lot of times they get really predictable in shallow water or they'll sort of get bunched up out in deep water similar to a summertime pattern. So they just get a little more predictable as the water temperatures start to fall below 70 degrees or so. Well, and then to take that a step further and talking about differences in lakes, whether it be topography, bottom composition, or whatever. Let's let's pick on two. Let's say, you know, how will you fish a grass lake, maybe like Gunnersville, differently than, I don't know, say a hardcover lake like Lake Martin in these late fall and early winter months? Will you have that new swim bait head in your hand on both, or do you apply different tactics for one over the other? I really like the new swim bait head and the variety of soft plastic swim baits. Just designed this be like swim bait head because uh, it's a technique I've been using for a long time, and one of the issues we have with putting these soft plastic swim baits on as they slide down the hook. They're kind of bulky bodies, so we've been having to use glue to keep them up, even though you have a decent keeper on a lot of these heads. It's just really not suitable for torquing up, making a really long cast, or the fish biting the bait. So 
keeper I designed will hold a, a variety of different soft plastics up there. And then again, I'm using the fish head to kind of complement that. And the fish head just has a spinner on the bottom, and I'll use those two as search baits. But I seem to catch better quality fish when I get those bites on a swim bait like that. I can cover a variety of depths in the water column. And uh, the other thing is by adjusting the weight of the head, you can use different speeds. You know, I'm starting to learn that this swim bait deal is a lot like crankbait fishing where you're adjusting speed of retrieves and each swim bait, you know, you sort of start over with uh, which head weight matches up well to get the right speed of retrieve and the right action. So um, Gunnersville, you know, being a grass lake like it is, is really fantastic and you're really just fishing edges and um, one thing that's helped me on fishing a grass lake is visualizing that outside grass edge a lot of times as the bank. You know, if you were fishing along a bank, you would look for a point or something that sort of sticks out or maybe even a pocket and you visualize that grass edge as basically uh, like you were fishing the bank. You may be 200 yards offshore, but you still visualize that grass edge just like it was the bank. You look for points and pockets and uh, maybe any kind of irregularity, you know, if the grass edge is kind of solid all the way down and then you get to a section where it's broken and you have clumps and spaces, that's always a good choice. And, and shade is a big factor when you're fishing grass too. And sometimes, uh, you know, a, one grass edge will be better in the morning versus the afternoon and vice versa. If I'm fishing a Clearwater Lake, you have a little bit less cover available, and that can actually be a good thing. You can identify those key areas. Brush piles are a big deal in our area of the state and in our area of the country, really. Docks as well. You know, anything that produces shade on a Clearwater Lake is really important. It adds as a sort of a protective zone for the bait fish, and the bass will use it as an ambush point. The brush and docks and rocks and stumps and timber and things like that in a Clearwater Lake are really important where you don't have grass, and that's what I always look at if I go to a new lake is I want to identify the primary cover of the fishery that I'm going to is one of the first things that I do and then I'll start to adjust my techniques from there. I'm probably not going to throw a rattle trap a whole lot on a Clearwater Lake but it'll be one of the first baits I pick up on a grass lake like Gunnersville that time of year too. Man, that was real descriptive, Greg. That was probably one of, <laughs> one of the best answers we've had on yeah. Bass Edge Radio in a while. That was great. I tell you what, let's take a short break. That was awesome, man. Bass Edge Radio will return with Greg Vinson after these messages. If it's hard to stop or you hear squealing and grinding noises during braking, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find the brake parts you need from trusted brands like BrakeBest, BrakeBest Select, and Wagner ThermoQuiet at everyday low prices. Play it safe with brake parts from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio presented by MegaWare Keelguard returns with BASS Elite Angler Greg Vinson in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. I'm still taking notes from that last question. (laughs) Hey, Greg, you know, you live near a lot of other elite anglers over there in southern Alabama. You know, I think Alabama is the uh, most predominant state of inhabitants of elite anglers. But you live down there by Kelly J, Keith Poche, Russ Lane, a few more. Heck, even Trip Weldon, our tournament director down there in Watonka area. So got to ask, do you see these guys often in the in the offseason and compete with them on the local lakes and rivers? You know, it's funny, Kurt, I, I probably see these 
guys more on the Elite Series, you know, in places like California and New York and Michigan than I do around the house. So we all seem to be on the go, but I do run into trip from time to time at a little restaurant in town called Coach's Corner. They got really good wings and some other good food there in Wetumpka. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, man. You know, we're really blessed in this part of the state, especially. Alabama as a whole, you know, just has so many different freshwater fisheries. But this part of the state, we're really blessed. We've got a variety of fisheries, and I think it's something that's contributed to my success on the professional tour and fishing against those guys coming up through the ranks when we fish local tournaments. The competition is just so stiff around here that, you know, it prepares you when you hit that next level of professionals. You're used to fishing against good competition and you're used to guys finding all the good stuff and that kind of thing. So right. it's been a nice benefit, you know, being around those guys over the years. I got to ask this question real quick, quick follow-up. So have you competed against Trip in tournaments and how often has he beat you? Oh man, I, I really don't want to admit it, Kurt, because uh, I took a lot of, <laughs> I took a something pretty good, man, as I was learning the ropes around here from Trip, you know, and Russ and his partners and those guys. And right before I sort of started the professional gig, you know, I started getting my fair share of, you know, good right. tournaments out of those guys. But uh, yeah, I've fished a good bit over the years, but now I don't get an opportunity to fish as many local tournaments as I used to. Certainly, if you can compete at a local level against those guys in Alabama, it certainly prepares you. I could definitely see how that's a different level when you move up. So congratulations. That's, that's pretty neat. But, you know, shifting gears here, it's no secret, Greg, I'm a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan, and it pains me to say this, but we had a very, very tough go against the Cubs last month. And, you know, I, I know you're busy and, you know, you're out fishing and, and probably don't keep up a lot with baseball anymore, but I understand you played a little baseball back in the day. Yeah, you know, I really did, and it's been one of those things that I think that's really helped me in professional fishing. You know, a lot of people don't even think about the other sports and how they affect you in, in fishing. I think, you know, first and foremost, I've always been a competitor. I've always been driven to do well at whatever it was and played a lot of sports coming through school. Played baseball in college, like you mentioned earlier. And uh, on a quick note, you know, I was learning to throw a bait caster as I was sort of, you know, growing as a pitcher in my early teenage years. And I grew up fishing spinning rods on Lake Martin, this guy. So, you know, that was important for me to learn to cast a bait caster well. It's funny, uh, my first year in college, I was really getting lit up by these hitters. You know, my fastball <laughs> didn't have enough movement. And I didn't have the velocity. And I dropped down and started trying the sidearm angle, man. And I ended up making All-American, you know, my last two years in college, throwing sidearm, really had a lot of success. That's and awesome. I started thinking about it. And that motion is the same as a roll cast in fishing. So probably the two complemented each other a little bit right there. You bet. Working those muscles out just right on the water turned you into an even better pitcher. That's pretty cool. I think so. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, the Elite Series schedule has been announced, obviously, for a couple months now. I'm sure you're looking forward now that everything's kind of wrapped down after you fish the final Southern Open. And I know you've been doing some sponsor work over the last several weeks. What are some tips that you can give our listeners when they're looking at their tournament schedules and how to prepare for next season? You know, I really don't think you can look far enough ahead. I think planning and preparation is probably one of the biggest keys to success in tournament fishing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really good to be able to fish your instincts. But I think that good preparation sort of prepares you for your instincts to kick in when it's game day. And, you know, I start right now. I look at the schedule. I start a lot of uh, visualizing, you know, looking at the tournament 
us on the schedule and visualizing that time of year and that condition and all the potential conditions that we might experience. You know, if it's a springtime tournament, whether it might be high water or something like that, or whether the fish will be spawning or moving in, or it could be several different phases I need to be prepared for. But, you know, it comes with, you know, doing a lot of map work and looking at satellite imagery and organizing your tackle. That's one of the big things for me that I'm really trying to focus on now is just really trying to get more organized and have the right setups. Even going into practice, you know, being prepared to cover a lot of different things in practice so that when it comes tournament time, I can really hopefully eliminate some things and feel really confident in the few rods and few presentations I intend to use in the tournament. How does that work? You know, you kind of mentioned that in an earlier question, talking about, you know, some of your success this year on the Bassmaster Elite Series and the AOI standings is that you really kind of focused and pushed your own instincts rather than trying to do other things. When you're, you know, tackling up or gearing up for next year and you look at each venue that you're about to come to, do you take everything with you? Is it really just only small things that like, for instance, you know, the Elite Series is headed to South Carolina in a river system, you know, probably right. um, most similar to maybe Sabine River that we fished over the last several years. Do you just take certain little things? Obviously, you're probably not going to be throwing too many XD6s or deep <laughs> crankbaits in those types of situations. So do you remove all that clutter out of your boat and just really focus or how do you approach that? You know, I try to eliminate the things that I absolutely know I'm not going to throw. And um, it makes it easier to find the things that I might use. You know, I always have, you know, my bread and butter, the things that I know I'm going to try in that situation. And one of the things that comes from experience on being in the elite series or fishing a variety of fisheries is you develop those confidence baits for those situations. And you always start with those things you're most confident in, but you got to be willing to experiment. You know, we're always trying to find this something little that will help separate us from the pack. And I always like to have my experimental baits or technique or two or three little things in mind that maybe I haven't tried but could work based on other things that have worked in the past. Always trying to get that one step ahead, that one little thing that might help me get a few extra bites. And, you know, I had a little bait I came up with and I can't say a whole lot about it, you know, because it was really helpful at Sabine River. So I'm hoping uh, awesome. over in South Carolina, but but it was one of those little deals where I just tried something different and it paid off. That's great. Well, I tell you what, we're going to move right into our O'Reilly Auto Parts Better Parts, Better Prices Everyday Listener Question segment. Greg, every episode we pick a question that's submitted by a Bass Edge listener to be answered on the show and today's question comes from Wesley Hutchinson and Wesley asks when is the best time to fish with a rattle trap what are the best condition as far as water temperature clarity wind calm versus rough waters morning versus afternoon set Wesley up with how to catch him on a rattle trap man this is one of the most exciting techniques you can use it's pre-spawn grass fishing and the trap is probably one of your best baits to catch a real giant so many tournaments have been won on grass lakes during the pre-spawn using the trap. Typically, it's a crawfish pattern, especially before a lot of people knew about doing that. I'd encourage people to experiment with colors, but I really like the sunshine. You know, I think that's one of those things uh, that time of year, I prefer to have the sunshine. I think it positions them on the grass, and a lot of times they sort of sit up in the tops and the points of that grass when the sun's shining to try to soak up some of that warmth early in the year. And that puts them right where your bait's going to be coming through, tipping the tops of the grass. A lot Light ripple, you know, a real heavy wind kind of makes it a little bit tougher to navigate, but I do like something to sort of break up the surface and even maybe position bait fish and things like that on those grass edges that we've talked about. But I absolutely enjoy throwing that rattle trap in the pre-spawn and ticking the tops of the grass anywhere in the country, Toledo Bend, Gunnersville, Santee Cooper, any of those type places. A lot of people have caught the biggest fish of their life on the trap in the pre-spawn on a grass lake. And when you say ticking the tops of the grass, Greg, are you, are you letting it sink down to it? 
and then you start your retrieve? Can you be a little more specific on are Absolutely. you ripping it up or, or how are you doing that? Well, that's one of the big keys to that. You know, you've got a lot of people that know about that technique for that time of year. And, and uh, presentation becomes really key in finding out what the fish want that given hour or that given day. And, and a lot of times you want to allow the bait to fall or slow reel it till you know that it's going to get down. And you'll feel it sort of catch on the tips of the taller grass a little bit. And uh, sometimes a steady retrieve is good enough. Sometimes you need to give it a little bit of a pause and sometimes you want to almost let it get hung in the grass you know and let it sit there a second i sort of visualize those fish you know watching it fall down in the grass and get stuck and they're sitting there just staring at it and you give it a good rip and these pieces of grass fall off and nothing's left but that bait hanging in their face man they engulf at that time of year it's, it's so exciting and lastly what about water temp ranges that you kind of look for for that that's the cool thing is it's a way that you can fish fast and furious in really tough water conditions you know i've caught them in water temps you know 45 48 to me you know 55 to 57 or 8 is prime time for that deal but definitely you know below 50 degrees you can still catch some really nice bags with it well wesley congratulations and thanks greg for your insight be sure wesley send us an email via support at bassedge.com and let us know you heard your question answered on the show and we will send out that 100 o'reilly auto parts gift card and reminder to all bass edge listeners sending those questions to possibly win that next 100 o'reilly auto parts gift card send those to support at bassedge.com or leave those questions and comments on our social media at facebook and twitter well greg we certainly appreciate you taking time out to be on the show today any closing thoughts for bass edge nation before we close oh guys continue to fish hard and uh be willing to do your own thing you know think for yourself think out of the box and and, uh, it'll really pay off in the end good deal greg thanks and we look forward to seeing you on the tourney trail next year good luck at the 2016 Bassmaster Classic. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. This is Major League Fishing Pro Angler James Watson. Hang tight for more Bass Edge Radio with Aaron and Kurt. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. What an enlightening interview we had right there with uh, Greg Vinson. Uh, first time he's been on Bass Edge Radio. And I got to tell you, Aaron, he was a very good educator. You know, we had a question right before our first break. And, man, dude dialed it up. I mean, just laid it straight out. Awesome uh, enunciation on how to attack that grass. And then also going back and, and looking at how to attack some reservoirs in the late fall, early winter when they don't have have a whole lot of grass cover as well. Yeah, certainly if you were going to cut this episode short due to your time uh, available to listen, you could have stopped right there before the break. And as you like to say, Kurt, he brought the nectar. That's right. Greg did bring the nectar and pleasure to have him on the show. Look forward to seeing him again sometime on Bass Edge Radio. And I think all Bass Edge 
fantasy folks, as I mentioned at the top of the show, don't leave Greg Vinson off the list. He's committed, dedicated. He's going to be a threat at the 2016 Bassmaster Classic. Absolutely. And uh, unfortunately, Kurt, we are down after this one to our final two episodes, but uh, certainly have enjoyed this one, not only hanging with you, but certainly all of our listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Bass Edge Radio. Until December 1st, episode 221, I am Aaron Martin, and for Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, we'll see you next time, right here, December 1st. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.